0: Welcome back to the Black Health Lit Podcast. This is a space where we can be Black proud and healthy. Today's episode is focused on environmental justice. As a reminder, the Black Health Lit Podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute providing medical advice. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share this episode. Also, while you're here, check out the episode description to learn more about today's guests and shop the Black proud healthy merch all right welcome back to the black health lit podcast today i have the pleasure of talking with kayla williams and we are going to discuss a safer world with chemicals or actually i should rephrase that a world that is safer from chemicals (laughs) because chemicals are very dangerous to our world but when we let's jump in before we jump in kayla Can you go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience?
1: Yeah, my name is Kayla Williams. I am the diversity, equity, and inclusion lead at a small nonprofit called Clean Production Action. We're headquartered in the greater Boston area, and our mission is to design and deliver strategic solutions for getting toxic chemicals out of consumer markets. And we do that through a variety of programs, including different tools for hazard assessment, methodology, and different networks for investors and businesses to be active and kind of learn about our suite of tools and how they can implement them to enact best practice around chemicals management.
0: Thank you for that introduction. So let's start off first with... What does it truly mean? I know you talked a little bit in your intro about, you know, advocating for cleaner products. But what does it really mean to create a safer chemicals economy?
1: Yeah, I think that's a huge question because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around the chemicals that are currently available in our marketplace. I think most consumers assume that the regulatory bodies, governmental bodies um, in the United States, I'll just speak for the United States, assume that those regulations are protective of people and human health. Unfortunately, regulatory requirements, they just don't go far enough to actually ensure chemical safety for human health and the environment. So there's a lot of chemicals on the market. There's millions, and most of them are completely unregulated. So I think the first part of creating a safer chemicals economy is to enact real policy that would actually enforce the existing legislation that we have around what is safe for people to use, whether that's home healthcare beauty products like right. toothpaste or shampoo, or your clothing, or the cleaning products you're using around your house, your furniture, fabric, all of that is processed with chemicals even right. if they don't have chemical ingredients. So first I would say just more protective legislation and regulatory practice. Um, you know, I'm not super hopeful about that, like within my lifetime. So then I think the next part of it is for companies to Eliminate the hazard of toxic chemicals simply by not using them, yeah, so there's a lot of different research, a lot of different certifying bodies like clean production action that will screen chemicals for hazard um, and I'm talking about a hazard first approach to chemicals, so okay there's things like risk assessment and risk analysis which is good to have but hazard first approach is inherently more protective because you're not doing the risky thing yet you're right. mitigating the potential for risk when you focus on hazard when you take a risk-based approach it's like okay something bad already happened because right. you're doing this risky behavior so I think it's really on companies, manufacturers, and retailers to engineer out the chemical danger of their products. Right. Um, so even if the FDA is saying, sure, you can have formaldehyde in your hair gel, and it's legal for you to do so, if you, if you look into it and you learn that these chemicals are cancer-causing, or linked to other chronic illness in people, then yeah. just just don't don't put it in there. Like yeah I think a safer chemicals economy would be one in which those actors that are creating the supply of products are just using safe chemicals in the first place. They're not using carcinogenic chemicals yeah. ever. Yeah. And then I think also I think of a safer chemicals economy as one that is completely circular. So right now, you might be mining for chemicals or creating new ones in a lab. They're going into a product that gets used one time and then it ends up in a landfill. Yes. Where then it reaches into the groundwater. Yeah. Yes. It's still making people sick. But if you re-engineer your product to include safer chemicals you have more opportunity to continue to reuse them in lots of different ways and you don't have to worry about the negative impacts of having them go to a waste facility or like being incinerated or something yeah like that
0: So that's an excellent explanation. It's all, first, it sounds like it's all connected. So how products and household goods and things that we use in our everyday lives are created, how the materials to create those items and products are mined, so gathered essentially, and then really regulation on what is allowed, how much of it it is allowed, and really taking a step back and saying, is this something that is our our carcinogen, which is cancer causing? And if so, as a business owner or corporation, because these are mostly corporations, how important is it to me as a corporation, the future of the human race, basically? It's a moral question. I understand there's a huge capitalism piece to that yeah and corporations are designed to make money in this country but also the world can't exist without people so there needs to be some sort of consideration for you know maintaining life human life without morbidity to be alive and to be sick is also not cool you know
1: Yeah, some of the corporate actors that I interact with, unfortunately, don't have a regard for human life. But if you are only going to think about it in terms of financial bottom lines, it's still best business practice to use safer chemicals because you mitigate business risk of being sued in the future, like we've seen with monsanto or johnson and johnson having talc in their baby powder yeah if you do what is right for people in the planet it just will make more sense financially because you're protecting yourself from really bad things coming back to you for what you choose what you've chosen to include in your formulations for products
0: right So let's talk a little bit about environmental justice, Kayla. I remember hearing this term a few years ago and not understanding exactly what that meant. I actually had a conversation with my sister, who's a chemical engineer, and my mother, who's a registered nurse. And I was like, this sounds like something made up. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, well, here we go, making up job titles. But this is something that's very real and something that is very important. So can you talk a little bit about what environmental justice is and why it's important that there are people working for environmental
1: justice? Yeah, so the EPA defines environmental justice as the fair treatment and meaningful involvement Of all people, regardless of race, color, national origin, income, all that with respect to the development and implementation and enforcement of environmental laws, regulations, and policies. Okay. So there's a good chance that if you grew up Black in America, you experienced environmental injustice without realizing it okay that's what I learned after I became familiar with this term and this movement um so I grew up in a town called Red Bank New Jersey on the west side where pretty much all the people of color live and there, only on that side of town is where you would find like the factory that was making metal washers and our dump and the swamp that they were dumping the trash in so that's an example of you know people who are already made vulnerable by systemic racism or injustice not being included at all when it came to the decision making about what was going to happen to the natural environment around us so other examples of environmental injustice is like just going way back in time to Levittown, which was a town that got built on a toxic waste site for um, oh. having a chemical manufacturing company come in to a low income area because they can buy land for cheap there because it's only people of color who live there. And then they build a huge chemical manufacturing plant that is gonna pollute everyone and everything around it. So environmental justice is really just about putting the power back in the hands of fence line communities of people on the ground to just have a say in what happens to the place that they live. A lot of the time, people experience environmental injustice because they don't have access to resources um, that others do. When you have more community influence, you don't have the power, the social clout, or the money to advocate for your the rights of your community. So things just kind of happen to you instead of being included in that.
0: Okay. That's a really good explanation. And I'm sure that people as they're listening to this can look around their own neighborhoods, especially if they're black or, a Bi- or BIPOC and say, Yeah. You know, my neighborhood has been transformed into a wasteland or a place to throw away things or build, you know, plants that may let off toxic chemicals. Um, So like, for example, I live in their inner city now and I used to live in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio, but I moved inner city when I bought my home. And within the first two years of living in my home, inner city a paint plant exploded and this paint plant is literally less than a mile from my house but when I lived in the Mm -hmm. suburbs there was not there was nothing like that at all like no plants no toxic waste no nothing that was dangerous like that and so it's just interesting to look around your neighborhood, even if you don't live in inner city, if you live in a diverse neighborhood, if you live in a black neighborhood, definitely there is a difference. You know, Your zip code can dictate a lot of healthcare outcomes for so many reasons, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, so I would say the, the part of the environmental justice movement is just working towards a world where it doesn't matter where you live or what you do for work or what your race is. No one should be subject to environmental dangers that are preventable Um, if policymakers and corporate actors were really just taking human health into heart. Right. So I know a
0: lot of the words we've been using, carcinogens, toxic you know phrases, sound, real scientific. Does somebody have to have a science background or be in STEM, science, technology, engineering, or math to become an advocate for a safer chemicals economy or environmental justice?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't have a science background at all. Um, I think if you just are able to understand that the environment around us, built or natural, is affecting our health, then that's, that's reason enough to become an environmental justice advocate. You okay. do not need to be a scientist.
0: Okay. That's good to know. So hopeful for people if they are interested in changing their environments and making the world a more just place, specifically as it relates to environments or chemicals that are in our products, in our houses, in our cars, in our homes. They don't have to have a scientific background. So that's great to know because that could be a barrier for people to get on on board with this. And then... Let's talk a little bit about some of the ways that, or let's talk a little bit about top three chemical hazards affecting Black Americans.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of them. I think at a very high level, the three I would name are PFAS chemicals, which are kind of becoming more and more mainstream. Um, But that is a class of many different kinds of chemicals, but they're all per and polyfluorinated substances. That's what PFAS stands for. I would also name phthalates and Um. So these are all carcinogenic chemicals that are in our marketplace, are not very well regulated, even though there's a lot of scientific evidence to support their carcinogenic effects yeah again like Ray was saying carcinogen just means cancer causing chemical and that's not just in humans either Um, but I think for black people specifically PFAS is a problem for everyone it's any person on earth you're like there's, like, a 90% chance you have PFOS in your bloodstream right now. Um, PFOS is, you know, it's something that is often used as a water repellent. So it's pretty common in clothing, especially, like, outdoor or active wear. Um, but it's also found in home healthcare products, furniture, yeah. fabric, it's in a lot. So I would say that as the first thing, just because everyone should be aware of that. I think Black people are <clears throat> unfortunately more likely to live in a community that experiences PFAS contamination of drinking water. Yes. Um, again, because of previous environmental injustices, Yes. Communities of color are more likely to be situated near like airports or military bases. Yes. And these are places that use a lot of firefighting foam and PFOS is very prominent in firefighting foam. So if you live near a site that's using a heavy amount of firefighting foam, there's a good chance there's PFOS in your drinking water. Um, then I named phosphates and phthalates because, um, you know, unfortunately, all Black people, like every other person of color, <clears throat> are, you know, they're kind of pressured into adhering to white beauty standards. And so if you are doing what you can to attain a look that is aligned with white beauty standards you might be using hair straighteners you might be using skin lighteners other kinds of products that will you know get you closer to your beauty goals but these products are heavily marketed towards black people and they're also very toxic yes um and it's definitely a different culture, especially thinking about Black hair in particular. Um, yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the products that are made for us and marketed for us, even if it is, um, you know, a company with a picture of a Black person on it, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily means that it's going to be good for your health in the long run. Yeah, um, and those are yeah just examples of some some chemicals that are highly prominent in products that are marketed towards us.
0: Yeah, phthalates is a really big one, and it's interesting you talked about it being a water repellent. So I recently went to buy a new shower cap, and it was pink. It was cute. It was you know. Not that Mm -hmm. the shower cap needs to be cute, but it was cute. Anyway, so I just so happened, it was in a box. I just so happened to flip it over. And it had a California, state of California, warning on it about the reproductive harm it could cause. And this Mm -hmm. shower cap had maybe close to about 10 different phthalates in it. I took it back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's it's interesting that you bring that up because it just that's one example. Like the state of California is definitely far beyond our federal government in terms of what is what is and is not allowed in their commerce. Yeah. and, And what is and what is not allowed without that warning label. Yeah. So. That product was probably manufactured in in the state of California, but if it had come from New Jersey, I don't think it would have said anything. Um, But yeah, that's just another example of why it's not enough to adhere to regulation. If you are a company, if you are a manufacturer of these products, Yeah. um, It's just not enough if you are really trying to create a product that is better for people.
0: Right. Yeah. You ready for some rapid fire questions? Yeah. All right. The first one is what does wellness mean to you?
1: Wellness. I definitely think of it holistically, like mind, body, spirit just all I guess feeling like like you're not in control but that you have you have it together yeah you're able to feel what you're feeling and deal with it as needed and I think you being well means you're not like ignoring things that come up you're not trying to push things deeper bearing things down you're just trying to face everything full on so that you can feel good all around
0: right right I agree with that and why is black health literacy important
1: I think it's so important because it I don't know it's like a lot of a lot of things black people have to deal with are not the same for other ethnic groups And I think a lot of the time, if you're not advocating for yourself as a Black person, you're not going to receive that advocacy from someone else, unless they're an amazing person like Ray, um, (laughs) who founded this organization. But I think, in general, Black health literacy is really important for Black people because chances are whichever professional you're dealing with in the world does not have a lot of literacy around black health right so yeah right and
0: then last but not least kayla you are doing some phenomenal work that a lot of people should get more involved in or at least make themselves aware of this type of work how can people connect with you and learn more about your work
1: yeah, well, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. That's actually where I met Ray. So find me on LinkedIn. Hey. Um, you can also visit Clean Production Action's website. You can read more about our networking opportunities. I host an environmental justice working group out of Clean Production Action. Anyone is invited to join, as long as you are not part of the chemicals industry. And we'll be hosting a conference, actually, this December in Oakland, California, if you would like to see me talk about this in person, or meet with some of those companies that are really thought leaders when it comes to an environmental justice approach to chemicals.
0: Awesome. That sounds really informative. Well, thank you so much for being here today, educating us on a safer chemicals economy, why environmental justice is important, and some of the ways that Black Americans are impacted by these injustices. I really appreciate you being here today.
1: Thank you for the invite.